fellow movie fans and listeners of the Backseat Directors podcast, welcome to my top 10 2017 show. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> That's right. This is this is my top 10 episode. Finally, finally it's here. Finally I've been able to record this show and finally it took me long enough to come up with my top 10 list. Uh, this was not easy to do. I hope everyone is as excited as I as I am to go over uh, really what was a very good year in film. Uh, there were tons of movies that I was very, very happy to go see and pleased with. And uh, honestly, coming up with this list was extremely difficult. Uh, you know, the fact that I had to exclude some movies is really just heart-wrenching for me. There's <laughs> movies that are well-deserving of uh, everyone's time and attention and definitely worth seeing. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll get into that uh, real quick. But um, but before I do that, I just want to tell everyone again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And thank you so much for all of your support on the Backseat Directors podcast. Uh, 2017 was a crazy year. I mean, gosh, uh, you know, and I'm just speaking for, <laughs> for just me on my end and what it means uh, to have done this podcast. Um, I, I know uh, everybody who's listening, you guys also probably just had some crazy years as well, and uh, lots of new things, lots of changes, and uh, you know, probably gone some, uh, gone, have gone through some hard times, and you know, but look, look where we're at. We've made it, we've gotten this far. It's 2018, it's the beginning of a new year. I hope this is such an incredible year for all of you. But yes, uh, again, going back to uh, 2017, it was um, it was quite the year for me in doing this podcast and getting things going. You know, when I first started this podcast, I really give a, a lot of the credit to my wife, Amy. Uh, she was the one that kind of inspired me and motivated me to, to do this podcast. It's something that I'd never done before. I really had no idea what I was doing or what I was getting myself into, um, but it has been quite the ride. You know, when I first started out... <laughs> I think I'd committed to one movie a month. Um, even though I was going to see more, I, I had no idea how much time, you know, I was going to be able to have to do a podcast. So I was thinking, oh, okay, I'll do like one show a month. Um, well, that quickly turned into four a month and even more. I think right now I'm averaging maybe six a month. And uh, and gosh, um, I, I really had no idea how much time uh, I was going to be spending on this podcast and. And I said it before and I'll say it again, um, you know, my wife has given up a lot just to let me do this. You know, there have been a lot of nights where she goes to bed alone and I'm up, you know, recording or editing and just trying to get this stuff out. And so, you know, I give a big thanks to her and just what it means to me for, you know, the sacrifice that she has given for me to be able to do this podcast. So Amy Jane, thank you so much, my dear. Uh, you have been an incredible and huge support uh, to Backseat Directors. And I mean, goodness, you came up with the name. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know that, yeah, that's right. Amy came up with the name Backseat Directors. She gave me a list of probably five or six different names, uh, and they were all so good. But Backseat Directors was the one that stood out to me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, for those who do not know, Amy came up with Backseat Directors. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, and everyone else, you know, who has supported this podcast, you know who you are. You know, my brother-in-law, uh, my wife's brother, Jeff, he's the one that came up with the logo design and all of my graphics and things like that. The stamps that you see, you know, the go see it, uh, maybe wait or no go stamps. He came up with all of that. And so, uh, you know, I, I've just, I, I'm just very blessed and very thankful um, for everyone who has sh shown their support and shown their love for this podcast. Um, and I, I, 
I, to be honest, I'm not really sure where this podcast is going. I, I had a couple goals that I had set for 2017, and um, for the most part, I've accomplished one of them. So I, and I'll, I'm kind of reluctant to share this with you just because of how much it's meant to me. And, uh, and so, I, you know, the fact that some of them might not be able to come true, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to accept, but uh, we'll see how things turn out. So uh, my first goal for 2017 was that I wanted to be able to, um, I, I wanted a screening pass, like a, like a press screening pass. So for those who do not know, uh, movie screenings are open to the public. Anyone can go to movie screenings. These are usually called fan screenings. So they're uh, usually given in you know, in a certain location designated by the movie studio in which you know screening they're going to release in a certain area. Uh, but since I live in the Salt Lake City area, you know we get screenings quite frequently, and they're usually you know just a few days before, maybe a week before the movie comes out. And so I you know I I make an effort to go to as many screenings as possible. Uh, it's not always possible, but, um, yeah, so, you know, but it's kind of a rat race, you know, the way that they have it set up, you know, basically you can get a a screening pass, but that does not guarantee you entry into the screening. Uh, It's like an airline, they'll sell out seats, you know, more than they have, uh, available actually to the public. And so, and it's first come first serve. So, you know, you got to get there early, otherwise there's going to be a long line. You're going to get a bad seat. And so it's just, it, it, it is, time-consuming and challenging to make it to a screening. And so I've, you know, I've wanted to look into seeing what it would take to get a press pass. And though it's not impossible, it's definitely an uphill battle. And uh, that was one of my goals. And I, I'm, I, I, I am close, but sadly I have not uh, gotten that press pass. And so <laughs> that is a goal that has transferred over to 2018. And so another goal was to have 50 movie reviews done by 2000, by the end of 2017. And I did it. I did it. It was hard. Holy cow. It took a lot of effort, but I did it. I did 50 movie reviews in the span of a year and actually not even a year is more like nine months because I didn't start this podcast until the end of March of 2017. And so, yeah, I got 50 movie reviews out. And the reason for that is because I, I'm applying to the Utah Film Critics Association. And and basically what that means is that it's going to validate Backseat Directors as kind of a legit um, movie review and movie uh, critic source. And uh, I've applied. I'm still waiting to find out, um, you know, if if I'm going to get admitted. And if I do, it's going to mean big things for Backseat Directors and an increase in exposure and Really, just to increase uh, the reach of backseat directors, it will not just be a podcast, but we'll add some different elements and things like that. But uh, uh, one of the criteria to apply for the Utah Film Critics Association is to have 50 movie reviews in a in. A, I, 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 it doesn't say a calendar year or anything. It just says 50 movie reviews a year, a minimum. And so, in order to meet that minimum, I was doing it on my own. You know, I didn't really have the help of anyone else, and I'm not. I'm not saying that I didn't have the help from co-hosts and guests that appeared on the show and things like that to review a movie. But since I am the the um, creator, producer, editor, content creator, you know, ev- basically everything that it goes into making this podcast, it takes a lot more time and a lot more effort. And so, uh, yeah, getting to fifty really was, uh, it was no small feat, but, uh, I'm so happy that I was able to do it. And, 
here's to uh, hopefully uh, getting uh, yeah admitted to the Utah Film Critics Association. Um, I'll update everyone with the outcome. Hopefully it is in my favor, but if not, um, we will try again. Um, but yeah, uh, 2017 was a crazy year. It was an awesome year full of new experiences. I got to meet some just amazing people through social media interactions and uh, just people here locally who do the same thing as me, you know, whether it's a podcast or a movie blog or they write reviews for a different outlet. You know, there are a lot of people who are as passionate as me, if not more passionate about film and just, you know, what movies mean to them. And uh, and so, yeah, I'm just very grateful for all the blessings that have come my way this year. And, um, and yeah, and so here's to 2017. And here's to... Uh, hopefully just an equally great and if not greater year in 2018. All right, everyone. Uh, it's about that time. Well, let's go ahead and uh, transition to the main portion of this episode. And that is our 2017 film review. So I definitely have to give a disclaimer to uh, those who are listening Um, I saw a lot of movies last year in 2017, a lot of movies. Um, I put out 50 movie reviews, but I know I at least saw 60 plus movies in 2017. Holy cow. That is a lot of movies. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I still, I still, I mean, gosh, I probably maybe even, you know, maybe saw a quarter of all the movies that were released in 2017. I mean, you know, it, it, it would be if I was watching maybe five movies a day, I would maybe be able to, you know, watch every single movie that debuted in 2017. But, uh, um, at least I think, uh, you know, my list that I'm going to, uh, reveal to you guys right now is one that is pretty fair in, in terms of my assessment. Um, there are going to be some exclusions from movies that I didn't see. And so I'm, what I'll do right now is I'm just going to tell you, uh, (laughs) the movies that, uh, I think are, uh, noteworthy, um, to mention that I did not see, especially just because they're getting, you know, award buzz, you know, and, and some that were nominated for Golden Globes and are only expected to be nominated, uh, for the Oscars, uh, come, come March. And so, Especially, uh, okay, so I'm just going to go in order. Um, actually, no, whoops, these aren't in order. I'll put them in order just off the top of my head because I, I'm pretty sure I know when they were released. But um, okay, so here are the movies. Here are the movies that I did not see, so they are not going to make my list because I, obviously I can't put them on the list if I haven't seen them. But um, uh, first, let's start off with Get Out. Get Out came out last year, I believe, in February. And it, it was nominated for the Golden uh, Golden Globes, and I think he even won for Best Director um, and was nominated kind of in a weird category. It was put in the comedy category, even though the specific genre for this movie is horror thriller. Um, <laughs> I know, kind of weird. I have not seen this movie, and I, I am super bummed that I have yet to see this movie. One, just because it, it might... It, it, it was very well likely to have made my list um, and uh, I, I, you know, I, eventually I will see it I'm sad that I haven't yet. And so that is a notable exclusion first and foremost, get out. Um, so I, again, I, I don't know if these are in order, um, but these are ones that have come out later in the year. And just because, you know, a lot of studios will push out movies in order to make them, um, uh, uh what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, what's the word? What's the word? 
Oh, just that they're basically that they will be nominated, uh, not nominated, but um, that they will qualify. That's the word qualify for the 2017 award season. So if, you know, if they, if they come out in theaters after 2017 has ended, you know, then they're going to be pushed back for the 2018 season. And so uh, award season. And so, you know, studios are going to try really hard to push these movies out, even out in limited release. So maybe, you know, some of these movies only debuted like in LA and New York and were excluded from everywhere else. But as long as they had their premiere and debuted in 2017, they will qualify, you know, for the award season in 2000. Uh, well, well, yeah, for the 2017 award season. And it's a strategy implemented by the studios just because movies that come out in January and February and March, like those early months in the year, those movies get forgotten very easily. And so uh, the, a movie like Get Out that did debut earlier in the year in 2017, gosh, that's such an exclusion and so rare for a movie you know, of that type of quality and status to to get released earlier in that year and to still carry that type of momentum throughout the year. And so, so yeah, so really a lot of studios will save their best for last. And most of these movies came out in November, December of 2017. So I first mentioned Get Out. Next, I will mention I, Tanya, starring Margot Robbie. That's the Tanya Harding movie. And uh, I, I have not seen it. I do plan on seeing it. Um, but that's the next one. The next one will be All the Money in the World. It's the Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg movie. Have not seen it. My parents saw it, recommended it. I've heard lots of good things. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that's another one. Another one is Good Time. Uh, good Time was a very, um, it, just have heard great things. But what I, what I was going to say was that it was a movie that did not get a lot of marketing at all. Hardly had any type of publicity about it. It's Robert Pattinson. Yes, that's right. It's Edward Cullen from Twilight. Robert Pattinson uh, stars in this movie. I've again, I've only heard good things, and and so yeah, so that's that's another one. So right now we're at Get Out, I Tanya, All the Money in the World, Good Time. Oh, another one is Stronger. Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, this was a based on a true story of a victim from the uh, um, Boston Marathon bombings. And uh, so, yeah, I did not see that one. Um, another one is The Post. So The Post just came out, I think, like Christmas Day, I believe. Um, and that's a Steven Spielberg movie um, about the uh, Pentagon Papers that were published by The Washington Post. And that starred uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. Have not seen that one yet. And the last one that I want to make mention of is The Shape of Water. And the reason why is because uh, Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro... Uh, who directed and wrote this film, uh, he won the Golden Globe for Best Director uh, for The Shape of Water. And so, uh, yeah, uh, again, getting a lot of hype, a lot of buzz behind this one for the Oscars especially. But yeah, those those are the movies that will not make my list because I have not seen them. So those are my notable exclusions. I'll go through them one time. Uh, One more time, Get Out, uh, Stronger, Good Time, I, Tanya, All the Money in the World, The Post, and The Shape of Water. Um, so yeah, so don't 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 critique my list uh, based off of those movies just because again, disclaimer, I have not seen them. Okay, moving on. Here are my honorable mentions, and this is in order uh, how, uh, based on release date. Okay, starting with number one, uh, my first honorable mention: The Zookeeper's Wife. The Zookeeper's Wife stars Jessica Chastain and based is based off of the true story of the Warsaw Zoo in Poland. 
And when uh, Germany invaded in 1939, this was the first country that Germany invaded to begin the uh, World War II. Um, and holy cow, what an incredible story. I am so, so bummed that this movie did not well do, uh, do well among critics. I was so surprised at the low Rotten Tomato score that it got. I think it was like around 55 or 56 approval rating. But my goodness, I could not recommend this movie uh, any more so. I, I gave it a go see it. Um, you know, if I were to rate this movie, and, and <laughs> uh, my obje- my non-objective, very subjective view, I, it would definitely be like a five out of five on this movie. Um, just because, yeah, there were some issues with the movie, the pacing, and, and I, I know a lot of people gave Jessica Chastain some heat for her <laughs> her accent, but, you know, I th- just don't think that's very fair anyway. But this movie is definitely worth seeing. The Zookeeper's Wife, I was so impressed, um, especially with her co-star. So her husband in the movie is Johan Heldenberg. That guy, in my opinion, is getting snubbed for supporting actor in 2017. Johan Heldenberg was my highlight of that movie. He did so well for his role and his character in The Zookeeper's Wife. Okay, uh, moving on to my second uh, honorable mention, and that is Baby Driver. Baby Driver was one of the most fun and action-packed films to come out in 2017. Holy cow, I have never seen a movie like this, especially how the music is integrated and woven within the movie. A lot of people said that it could be even categorized as a musical. I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but... uh, um, yeah, that is Baby Driver. Um, very fun. Just if you haven't seen that, highly recommend it. Go see that movie. Uh, well, can't see it now. It's not in theaters, but rent it. Buy it. My goodness, you will not be disappointed with Baby Driver. Uh, next on my list is a ghost story. Uh, this is a film that I just recently saw. Uh, I did not see it when it came out. And I did not do a podcast on it. Oh, but wait, actually, sorry. Um, what I wanted to do is I wanted to make mention of uh, the episodes, the podcasts of the mov- movies that I have reviewed um, that are on the this list, so the honorable mentions and the top 10. Uh, so just going back to uh, The Zookeeper's Wife. Zookeeper's Wife, for anyone who hasn't listened, that's episode nine on Backseat Directors, so we did review that movie. For Baby Driver, Baby Driver is episode 20. Um, so yeah, so again, if you haven't listened to those um to those reviews, go ahead and go back and listen to them. I think you'll have a great time. Um, so yeah, so episode nine for the zookeeper's wife, episode 20 for baby driver. And, uh, so yeah, next on the honorable mention list is a ghost story. Um, uh, like I said, uh, just now is, uh, I, I just saw this movie, so I did not do a podcast on it. It came out earlier in the summer, 2017, uh, stars Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck. A ghost story is a movie unlike I have ever seen before. It, it is it's really difficult to describe with words. I think <laughs> I think you just gotta go watch this one. Um, it uh, it's rated R, and I'm still scratching my head as to why it's rated R. I, the content that within this movie just does not merit an R rating at all. There are PG thirteen movies out there that have just so much more questionable content for a PG-13 movie than this movie. Um, so, you know, if you if anyone who's listening is turned off by the R rating, uh, I, I definitely say suspend your, um, just your policy maybe for not seeing R-rated movies or what, what have you. But uh, A Ghost Story is a film that will explore 
the great unknown. And what I mean is by, you know, when a person passes and then they move on to the next realm or next life or what have you, of whatever it is you believe in uh, happens to a person after they die. And it explores it in a very methodical, very thought-provoking way. And and what it does as well is that it it will make you rethink our idea and concept of time and how we as humans experience time. Uh, very good movie. Um, again, it's it's a movie unlike I've ever seen before. Um, it's not it's not a scary movie. It's not a horror movie. Don't get fooled by the title. Um, but yeah, I, I, these are all movies, uh, listen, people, (laughs) these are all movies I recommend. That's why they make my honorable mention list. These are, are movies worth seeing. So if you haven't seen them, please go and see these movies. Okay. So that is a ghost story. Next on the list is the latest Pixar movie, Coco. This was one that I was super torn about, about not adding to my top 10 list just because of how incredible of a movie it was. I personally very much relate to this movie just because me being Hispanic. Yes, even though I'm only quarter Hispanic (laughs) and some might not think uh, I'm the most Mexican of Mexicans, but uh, (laughs) there's... You know, my grandma being full blood Mexican and just her, you know, so many of her relatives. And uh, when we go visit our family back in Texas, there are so many things about this movie that that just felt very familiar and very close to home. And uh, just overall, an incredible story. Um, uh, One of Pixar's best, in my opinion. Uh, So that is Coco. Uh, Next on the list uh, is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And I think this is where I'm going to get the most heat for not including this movie on my top 10 list. Uh, One, because it won the Golden Globe for Best Picture in 2017, and not only Best Picture, but Best Best Actress in um, um, uh, Frances uh, McDormand, and then also Sam Rockwell won Best Supporting Actor. And so this, this movie is killing it at the awards. It is... Uh, no doubt going to kill it at the Oscars. I think it's going to be a a high contender for, um, you know, best picture and again, best actress and things like that. And, uh, and I would actually give best actress to Frances McDermott and, uh, I, I might be butchering, butchering her last name. So forgive me if I'm pronouncing her last name wrong, uh, wrong, but, uh, also I would give Sam Rockwell best supporting actor. I was so blown away and he was my highlight of the movie. I, I, he was fantastic. Um, as his character in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, but again, uh, honorable mention, I think this movie is worth seeing. If you haven't seen it, please go and see it. It was an incredible movie. Um, reasons why it does not make my top 10 is just because I think the overall message of the movie is very questionable. Um, and And for me, just morally and ethically, I'm not so sure that I can be okay with a movie that just has some just very questionable outcomes for its characters. And so, you know, that's just my personal opinion on the movie. Again, it is a phenomenal movie, but it just quite doesn't make my top 10. And then last on the honorable mention list goes to The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman is by far and away one of the most incredible musicals I have seen in a long time. Uh, Zac Efron, Michelle Williams, Hugh Jackman, Zendaya, blew me away with their just incredible vocal talent and just what they were able to do on screen as their characters. This was one of the most fun and most entertaining movies of all of 2017. Again, if you have not seen it, please go and see it. Um, Oh, sorry. So Coco, uh, Coco was our Backseat Directors episode, oh, where is it? Episode 45. 
So again, if you haven't listened to that one, episode 45 is Coco. And then The Greatest Showman was episode 51. So that one was more recent. So that is my honorable mentions list. Um, The only one that I feel so bad not leaving or not... And maybe I can just give it an honorable mention right now. (laughs) I left it to six just because... uh, um, I feel like if uh, if I just continue to include more and more honorable mentions, the list just kind of prolongs and gets you know you know what I mean. It just uh, I could I could add so many to the honorable mention list. I guess I'll add one more, and that one is it. Um, the 2017 basically reboot of the Stephen King classic. It was my goodness, <laughs> one of the most surprising and unexpected films for me in 2017. Um, it is it is a horror film. But more than a horror film, it is a coming-of-age story, and it is a comedy on so many levels. And I think for a lot of people who didn't like the movie, it's because they found it too funny and not scary enough. But I think that this movie blended the elements of of funny and scary in such an incredible way that I enjoyed this film and, and was very surprised at how much I did enjoy this film. And I think because because the main actors are kids in the movie, you you really have to keep it at a reasonable level of scary and, you know, and horror factor, you know, just because, I mean, these are kids, they're child actors. And so I'm not sure, you know, anybody who expected this to be like the most scary movie they've ever seen. And, you know, and the fact that it's kids to really not have, you know, the director and the writers of the movie kind of lighten it up in, in some aspects. But, uh, so it was, uh, our backseat directors episode 31 review. And so again, yeah, so that, that is my honorable mention list. Okay. So let's go through that one more time. The zookeeper's wife, baby driver, a ghost story. I'm going to slide it in there because it came before these other movies. So it Coco three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri and the greatest showman. Okay. Here we go. Our top 10, my top 10 on backseat directors for uh, the films of 2017. I'm going to start with number 10. On number 10, and again, I think this is one I'm going to get some, you know, some, uh, some flack for this one just because a lot of people don't think it is a movie worth, you know, putting this high. But I was very impressed with this movie and for multiple reasons. But number 10 goes to Wonder Woman. Starring Gal Gadot and directed by Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman was probably the the biggest surprise movie of the year. Uh, one, because this is a DC comic book movie, and just the way that DC comic book movies have been faring recently, I don't think really anybody expected this movie to be good. And the fact that it was good, and not just good, I thought it was great, um, I, it just really took people off guard. Um, it's the highest rated Rotten Tomatoes uh, DC movie to date. Um, not include, and what I mean by that is just the reboot of the DC extended universe. So starting with Man of Steel, then Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, and now Justice League. Wonder Woman by far and away is the best of these superhero movies and was just an incredible movie and so much fun to watch. Uh, the fact that finally, finally, a female um, actress had a leading role as a superhero and a, su- a female superhero got her own movie. And it's about time already. It's long overdue, in my opinion. Um, was just so. Uh, it was just so um, refreshing, and just a breath of fresh air, and just, um, yeah, and just overall a fantastic film. I, I saw the movie twice in theaters. I've seen it again since I purchased it on Blu-ray. And so, um, if you know, for any of you who have not seen the movie, I I could not recommend this movie more so. 
Very fun. Just an overall great message of the movie. And I think Patty Jenkins did a great job directing this movie. So much so that they're going to let her direct Wonder Woman 2, which is going to come out in 2019. So Wonder Woman is number 10 on my top 10 list. And uh, uh, on our movie review, it is episode 15 uh, for Wonder Woman. Number nine. Number nine is a movie that I just saw with my wife and one that has been getting a lot of buzz and a lot of recommendations from other friends is The Big Sick. The Big Sick starring Kumal Nan... <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm butchering this. Uh, Kumal Nanjani, or Nanjani and uh, Zoe Kazan um, is, a, is based off a true story of Kamal himself. And uh, the movie also stars Holly Hunter and Ray Romano and two of the best performances I've seen of those two in their career. And one of the most true-to-life, heartfelt, and just phenomenal love stories. It was so good. Everybody had been talking about this movie all year long and, you know, basically just singing its praises. And I am here to sing its praises too. That, that The movie did not disappoint very much enjoyed it. it. It easily made my top 10. And I know I, I'm. it's at number nine and some might say, oh, this should be up higher. Trust me, if it's on the top 10, it is a great movie and one that I will gladly watch over and over again. Um, this one, uh, just because I watched it late, it did not get a podcast review. Uh, so there is no backseat director's review for The Big Sick. Okay, coming in at number eight is Goodbye, Christopher Robin. This movie was one of the most touching movies that I have seen in a long time. The movie stars Donald Gleason and Margot Robbie, also Will Tilston as the Christopher Robin. It is a biopic, and it is one of the most incredible and revealing biopics um, that I saw last year. And uh, for anyone who, you know, obviously uh, really enjoys uh, the Winnie the Pooh stories and A.A. Milne as the author of the Winnie the Pooh stories, if you want to know what the true story is behind the story of Winnie the Pooh, my goodness, you got to go out and see this film. Um, I, I just, the reason why I included this is just because I was very impressed by all the performances by the lead actors and just the incredible emotion poured out into this movie and especially by Will Tilston. This will come up again um, on my top 10 list, but I, I just think child actors do not get enough credit uh, where credit is due. And Will Tilston was phenomenal in this movie as Christopher Robin. Uh, so if you want to go back and listen to my review of Goodbye, Christopher Robin, that is episode 40 on Backseat Directors. Okay, number seven on the list is Detroit. Detroit, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow, uh, is just blowing me away by why this movie is not getting any recognition at the awards, um, just at the Golden Globes or... or uh, uh, film, uh, what's it called? Critics' Choice uh, Awards, and uh, and I, I doubt I'll see it at the Oscars either. Uh, but this is also a, um, I, I guess, a, I don't know if you can call it a biopic, but it's definitely a historical film um, based off of the 1969 Detroit riots, or 1967, sorry, 1967 Detroit riots. Um, I had never heard of this story before. I had, I had never heard of this incident before. And this movie, this movie will take you deep into the heart of some of the most uh, dark issues that our country still suffers from today. And, um, you know, a lot of people said that this movie was too hard, it was too heavy, that it um, almost, you know, made 
um, made a historical movie into a horror film. Um, yeah, and to the film's detractors, I, I would like you to think about putting yourself in the shoes of those who went through this, yes, horrific experience, and tell me if you were to make a movie out of it, how it would not be a horror movie. Uh, this movie, this movie will, uh, it, there will be parts that will make you want to turn away or close your eyes. It, it's not, it's not gory uh, in any sense of the word, but what it is is, it is brutal and. Uh, I just think in terms of its its significance and its significance on our uh, basically just the cultural climate that we find our country in currently right now and just what it means historically to the country, this movie deserves to be on the top 10 list and it deserves to receive the type of recognition that it is lacking, severely lacking right now. Um, well, I'm not saying that it's deserving of lacking recognition, but it deserves more recognition. That's what I mean. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and especially because it's Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow is one of the best female directors in Hollywood today. And, uh, you know, f- the fact that she wanted to tackle a topic and subject as just so controversial and uh, significant as this one, um, I just, my hat's off to her. Uh, Detroit was by and far one of the best movies in 2017. Um, okay, so number six, number, oh, sorry, and uh, our Backseat Director's review for Detroit um, was, let's see, episode, episode 25. Okay, number six on the list is Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner was one of the most highly anticipated movies that I had on my list going into the 2017 film season. And my goodness, I was not disappointed. Blade Runner 2049 is one of the most visually captivating movies I've ever seen in my life. It was stunning in every sense of the word. Um, One of the best cinema, uh, just uh, choreographed cinematography, visually captivating movies you'll ever see. I wish so bad I had had time to go see it again in theaters. Unfortunately, I did not. If you did not see it in theaters, uh, please do not hesitate to go see this movie uh, or to rent it or buy it or whatever. (laughs) But uh, um, for the cinematography alone, this movie makes the list. It was so captivating. And uh, and yeah, and for um, uh, Ryan Gosling, uh, who was the star of the movie, um, among others, uh, he was so good. He was so good as Agent K and just uh, and basically just the entire storyline and how it played out. It was it was just so good and a movie that I am very excited to go see again. And so uh, uh, that is Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It was uh, Denis Villeneuve who is the director. Hats off to him. My goodness, he created one of the most visually stunning movies probably of all time. It was incredible. That was Blade Runner 2049, and um, my movie review, or Backseat Director's review of Blade Runner 2049 is episode... Sorry, I'm trying to find it here. Um, Oh, goodness, where is it? Oh, episode 36. Okay, top five. Here we go, top five. Top five, starting with number five, Molly's Game. Even though I just saw this movie recently in January, and it is episode 52 on Backseat Director's, Molly's Game is one of the best movies of all of last year. So it came out Christmas Day, which is, yes, technically why it is a 2017 film. Uh, Molly's Game stars Jessica Chastain as Molly Bloom and Idris Elba as her dutiful lawyer. Um, You guys, this is a story that you would not believe if, if someone told it to you. 
The fact that this is a true story just made the movie that much better. But honestly, you you will never see a better performance um, from Jessica Chastain. You know, in in any of her past movies, she has been incredible in all the movies that I've seen her, and I'm such a big fan. But this is this is like a career defining performance for her. She was phenomenal. Idris Elba was phenomenal in this movie. The screenplay, also written and directed, so the film was written, uh, directed and written by Aaron Sorkin, um, who was the writer uh, for uh, The Social Network, uh, Moneyball, and a few other very noteworthy films. But this movie, this movie caught me off guard big time. I really had no idea what the movie was about, let alone that it was a true story. Um, and, and just its overall quality. The movie is over, it's like two hours and 20 or 25 minutes long. It's very long, but not once did I ever felt bored or like lingering and looking at my watch, wondering when it was going to end. The movie felt, it just captivated me from the beginning to the end. Uh, just two big thumbs up for this movie. So good. It was so good. Um, and yeah, so again, we, we, I just reviewed that one. That's my most recent movie review, episode 52. Okay. And number four. Number four, again, a movie that just caught me off guard and just surprised me by how much I loved it, The Disaster Artist. So my wife actually joined me to this movie, and she had never seen The Room, The Room, which is the movie that this film basically is based off of in terms of the making of The Room. And so she really didn't know what to expect, but we both walked away from this movie with huge smiles on her face, both laughing. Um, almost to tears in some parts, but one of the most touching and heartfelt uh, heartfelt films of 2017, uh, and just an incredible performance by James Franco. He turns himself into Tommy Wiseau and just blew me away with how good he was. So if anyone who has not seen The Room, uh, you know, I, it's, I guess it's kind of debatable whether or not you should see The Room before you see the disaster artist. James Franco in an interview said, "No, you can see the room after the disaster artist." But for me, I appreciated the the film a lot more and James Franco's performance a lot more, having seen the room. But uh, you know, uh, and and Dave Franco, you know, not to minimize his performance, Dave Franco was very good. I just it, the movie was was just it was so enjoyable, such a pleasure to watch, and just you know, just seeing James Franco's Tommy Wiseau was just the highlight of the film, and. Uh, uh, I, I am so happy that, okay, and this is, you know, the sexual allegations or accusations aside from the recent a- accusations uh, lobbed at James Franco. Um, I am happy that he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor. For me, it comes down to James Franco and uh, and Gary Oldman for Best Actor of the Year and Gary Oldman's performance as Winston Churchill in uh, Darkest Hour. Um, but it was well deserving in terms of his performance, I believe, from the disaster artist, and and so uh, that was uh, backseat directors episode. Sorry, I should have had that pulled up already. Um, episode forty-seven. That was such a pleasure to review uh, with my good buddy Sam on that one. And so, okay, top three. Are you guys ready? These are our top, my top three movies of two thousand seventeen. Coming in at number three, Wonder. I, listen, I know you, some of you are going to come and say how on earth did Wonder even make your top 10, but it is not just on my top 10, it is in my top three. Wonder was one of the best stories, and I'm not just saying, you know, okay, movies aside, stories, stories that you will ever come across, it is 
beautiful. Oh my goodness, how much I love this movie. The movie stars the movie stars Jacob Tremblay as Augie, and Jacob Tremblay is probably the best child actor in Hollywood today. Um, he and again this code this goes back to what I was saying about a uh, um, oh which movie was it? Um, oh yeah, Goodbye Christopher Robin with Will Tilston as Christopher Robin. Jacob Tremblay as Augie is is a performance that gosh I it it bugs me so much that it's not getting recognized or even nominated. I mean, gosh, nominate him. He was incredible in this movie. The guy wore he the he wore face paint and like just this incredible makeup to make him look like Augie the entire movie. I mean, it is so incredible to see this this young boy, I think he's 11 years old, to do what he did in Wonder. And not just that, but the performances both from Owen Wilson and Julia Roberts, that they, they really helped to carry this movie. Uh, you wouldn't think that Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson could, <laughs> could make a kind of dynamic duo on screen as parents, but it was the perfect match and the perfect casting decision for this movie. Wonder is one of the most beautiful and and heartfelt mo- movies and stories you will ever come across. I cannot recommend this more. I, once the movie comes out, I will buy it. Please, 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 please support this movie. Go and see this movie. I, I, again, I cannot recommend it even uh, more so than I'm doing right now. Uh, it's episode 44 on our movie review if you uh, haven't listened to it yet. But yes, Wonder top three, so deserving. And I will fight anyone who says it doesn't. Um, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But I will defend my position on having it in my top three. Okay, top two. And now this one, this one honestly was, it was a toss up for me in terms of what my movie of the year was. And it it really was heart wrenching and just so difficult to be able to choose which of these movies I was going to choose to be my top movie of the year. But in at number two, in at number two, and I want to say it's more like 1B and not necessarily number two, is Wind River. I cannot begin to say enough good things about this film. Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen probably have their career best performances in a film and Wind River. The story, the plot, the acting, the the cinematography, the the musical score for this movie, everything came together in a way that for me was almost near perfection. I, I, I was so impressed by this film and how well it was done. Really, my hat's off to everyone that went into creating this film and what it means uh, really for the voice of Native Americans in uh, in this country today, you know, uh, I, I think I think quite often do we overlook um, the plight of uh, the Native American Indian uh, in the United States and just really what their awful history has been, you know, and how they have been completely mistreated um, and really vilified on many different levels, and uh, just what it's like, what it's like on uh, in the life of of those who live on on an Indian reservation. And, uh, and so, uh, Taylor Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan, he directed and wrote this film, uh, Taylor Sheridan, kudos, my goodness, hats off to you, sir. Um, uh, please, please continue to make movies like this. 
Uh, Wind River is a movie that is worth seeing. It is worth renting. It is worth buying if you have not seen it yet. I highly recommend going out and, and gosh, purchase Wind River. It is, it is worth your time. It is worth your money. Um, okay, so if you did, have not listened to our review of Wind River, it is Backseat Directors episode 32. Okay, now for our number one choice and top movie of 2017. And my number one choice for 2017 movie of the year is the Christopher Nolan epic Dunkirk. Dunkirk is the most incredible theater experience that I have ever had in my life. I can I I honestly can hear <laughs> some of my listeners kind of just rolling their eyes and especially my sister Roxanne she she thinks I tend to exaggerate things but I am not exaggerating exaggerating with my description of Dunkirk. Um if you did not see Dunkirk in IMAX, I hate to say it, you did not see Dunkirk. Dunkirk was meant to be experienced in an IMAX theater and for that alone for that alone if you did not see it on an IMAX screen you just really were not able to experience the full effect of this movie uh, I again uh, unlike any type of theater experience I've ever had I saw it twice in IMAX and I was blown away on each viewing the sound effects the editing the the incredible shots and scenes that are filmed within this movie uh, when Tom Hardy as the pilot whether you're in the air on the beach or on the boat the civilians civilians going out to Dunkirk to rescue all the British soldiers trapped on those beaches I, I I am so left speechless on how to describe this movie and how impressed I was overall by Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk um, I, I am so happy that I got to see it in IMAX I hope that this is a movie that they'll, you know, every couple years they'll say, okay, we're going to release, you know, re-release it for a weekend or two weekends back in the IMAX theaters, just because that is the way that this movie was meant to be viewed. It was meant to be experienced that way. If it was not viewed that way, again, I will say you did not see Dunkirk. Um, And so, yeah, you know, I admit that this movie has its flaws in terms of character development, even though my argument was that it was... the, the character of the story is the story. It's not any specific character. What It was supposed to tell, tell a narrative, like a historical narrative, basically, of what happened that day, and not focus on necessarily any one character, but it was supposed to give you a glimpse into the life of each of these individuals and how they experienced on on each of their fronts, whether on the beach, on the sea, or in the air. And, and I, I mean, honestly, this might be one of Christopher Nolan's best movie, if not the best that he has filmed to date. Um, well done, Christopher Nolan. Well done, everyone involved with Dunkirk. And yes, Dunkirk is my movie of the year for 2017. And if you have not listened to our review of Dunkirk, it is episode 23. I did it with my dad. It was such a pleasure to have him on to discuss Dunkirk and just really his love and appreciation of, uh, uh, not necessarily love, but just deep, deep respect and appreciation for World War II and everyone who served in World War II. Obviously, my dad had an uncle who was killed in World War II. And just, uh, you know, this the, the film for me personally meant a lot as well, just because I, I think for the most part, you know, <laughs> Hollywood and everything being based out in the United States, you know, we tend to tell 
um, the side of uh, the of the Americans in World War II, and just you know the stories that are significant to us, like Pearl Harbor or D-Day, etc. You know, but the fact that we were able to see such a significant story and how it, how impactful it is to those um, in Europe and especially in the UK and what kind of you know uh, just really the significance of the story it is to those who are British and. And so I'm just I'm happy to have seen a story that I had not seen before, and to portray it in such a way. My goodness, <laughs> again, two thumbs up to Dunkirk. Cannot give enough, uh, enough praise to this movie. Um, and yeah, and so okay, everyone, that's it. That is that is my top ten list of 2017. Just in review, I'm gonna go again in uh, in uh, ascending order. So starting with number ten. Wonder Woman, number nine, The Big Sick, number eight, Goodbye Christopher Robin, number seven, Detroit, number six, Blade Runner 2049, number five, Molly's Game, number four, The Disaster Artist, number three, Wonder, number two, Wind River, and number one, Dunkirk. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Let me know what you think. I would love to know what you think of uh, my top ten list uh, and obviously also the honorable mentions. Um, I'm going to have this posted here pretty quickly. It's uh, January 15th. It's a Monday. Uh, So look out for the episode real soon. And uh, yeah, so again, let me know what you think. Let me know what you agree with, what you don't agree with. <laughs> I'll try as best I can to defend my my side. And uh, and yeah, let me know what your top 10 list is. I'd love to see what you guys thought of the 2017 uh, film year. And uh, again, uh, very excited for 2018. Um, I, I, I'm hopeful for the Backseat Directors podcast and where things are going. Um, you know, it's been, uh, like I said previously, it's been very busy. I, I might not be putting out as many podcasts as I was before, um, but I am not going to uh, let this podcast go down in the sunset quite yet. But um, again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for downloading today's episode. Thank you for all your love and support of uh, the Backseat Directors podcast. Make sure to stay up to date and subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Podbean. Stitcher, Google Play, and above all else, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Please let us know what you think of the podcast. Leave us a rating. And uh, this is um, Andre Hutchins, your host and creator of Backseat Directors, signing out. And we'll see you guys this year, 2018, at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album, Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids, and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast.